Hi, you're listening to Healing Codependency. I'm your host, Erica Wright. <laughs> okay. Healing Codependency is a six-pot, deeply personal podcast series that will offer you an intimate look at how and why I am the woman I am today. I'm a self-appointed codependency counselor and passionate about up-leveling my own life. The point of this podcast series is to show you that if I can change, anyone can. I share six core turning points in my life and how I created a relatable daily non-codependency practice. Today on the episode, I talk about how letting go of my position to get back at my dad allowed me to see the love that was always there. Episode four, forget about it. After my parents got divorced, I stopped talking to my dad. He had had an affair, left my mom, and then came back. They got back together and I was like, okay. And then he was like, nah, I am leaving now. My mom told me, she called me and told me, and then my dad called and he was like, hey, honey, I got to talk to you about something. And I was like, you know what, dad, I totally know. And I I'm done. I'm not doing this with you. You're not my dad. I don't have a dad. And I hung up on him. The whole time I was growing up, anytime he was mean to me or lost his temper with me or whatever. I'd always want to be like, Ugh, I just want to tell you that you're not my dad anyway and like get back at you like that. And I remember one time when I was a teenager, I was talking to my mom and I was like, I just want to tell him he's not my dad. And she's like, if you did that, you would destroy him. You know, and I just remember being like, oh, fine. I won't. <laughs> and then I did. And that was the end of that. Then I became the person who had no dad. I shut it all down. Here's the thing that's worth mentioning, though. So in between the time where my parents got back together, it was, it was the winter time because um, my mom's mom, my grandmother had died. My dad, who's my stepdad, my brothers, my sister, and I, we all went to Indiana for my grandmother's funeral, for my mom's mom's funeral. And we all went to my abuela's house. My mom, my dad went to my blood dad's house. And I remember my abuela, we were all standing in the kitchen and my abuela turning to my dad and saying, thank you so much for being her dad. And my Louie couldn't do it. And thank you so, so much for doing that. And I can see what a good dad you are, you know? And he was so great about it. He was like, yeah, yeah, of course. She's a little bit of a pain in the ass, but I love her. <laughs> 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 
they break up again. And I felt a lot of allegiance to my mom. I remember firmly choosing, I'm going to be the kid that has no dad and that's what I'm going to do. And all my siblings chose whatever they chose. Then we all just went our separate ways in our relationship with my dad. Patrick was seeing him all the time. I wasn't. I was basically moving to California and my other siblings had whatever they had going on with him. And we just didn't really talk about it. Every once in a while, if I talked to my brother Patrick, he'd say, I saw dad. And he says to say hi. And I'd just be like, harumph. <laughs> and so I'd moved out to California, kind of got a life, right? Moved to San Francisco. I think that was in 95. And my youngest brother is now it's 2004. And my youngest brother is getting married, having a huge wedding. I want you to be in my wedding. Dad's going to be there. And I'm just like, all right, huge wedding, you know, married an Italian lady. I flew back and I was like, all right, I'm going to see my dad. And I started trying to remember what I was mad about. He did not leave you. You left him. So you can't accurately be walking around talking about how you have no dad and your dad's left you. It's a really good story, especially if, if you're drinking gin and tonics and smoking cigarettes and talking about your, you know, old shitty trauma. So it was the rehearsal dinner and we were in Cambridge at a restaurant and I knew through my brother that he's been married and divorced twice. He's got a wife. After he broke up with my mom, married, I think, the lady he was having an affair with, and then they broke up, and then he got married again. I remember seeing him at the restaurant. So this is 10 years. 10 years is a long time. And I remember seeing him, and he's smaller. It's weird, you know, it's like, he looked way older than when I had seen him, right? You know, my, he was no Jack LaLanne. He didn't really drink water. He smoked butts and drank coffee. So it tends to age you a little bit quicker. And I remember seeing him out of the corner of my eye and just being like, ugh, awkward wave. And I went outside to smoke a cigarette and he came out. And he comes up and he's like, puts his hands in his pockets, which is what he always did. And he goes, how you doing, honey? And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and it was a moment. It was like, okay, what are you gonna do? Do you really care? Do you? And I was just like, no, I don't think I do. And I was like, I'm good, you know? And we had some chit chat. And he had this way of looking at me where he would tilt his head back <laughs> a little bit and kind of look at me like <laughs> down his face. 
And I remember seeing his eyes well up. And he said, uh, I've missed you all the time. You know, and I think I was like, okay, <laughs> anyway, so uh, I'm going to go back inside. He's like, yeah, you know, I'll see it at the wedding tomorrow. And I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. See you at the wedding tomorrow. And like, you know, went inside and probably had 65 drinks. We get to the wedding and, you know, I'm in the wedding. It's a big Italian wedding. It's really great. And we go through the whole thing and it's, you know, everybody's there. Everybody's there. And my family loves to drink and dance. It's like one of the things that we really love to do. We're really good at it. And that's what's happening. I'm doing a really good job of avoiding and evading my dad. And I see him and he's like staring at me a little bit. And I'm just like, oh. And he walks up to me and he goes, get over here. Got to dance with your father. And I'm like, oh, all right. And he's walking me out to the dance floor. And he's slow dancing with me. So like one hand, he's holding my hand at his chest and the other hand he has around my waist. And of course I'm in heels. So I'm like a foot taller than him. Part of me was feeling really panicked and part of me was just like so relieved. It was just like, it took so much time and energy to like actively be mad at that guy, you know, and actively keep up the story of, you know, I'm a dadless or whatever I was doing. And he grabbed my face before I walked off the dance floor. Like he grabbed my, like my chin and he looks at me and he goes, I love you, honey. I've always loved you. I'm always gonna love you. You know, and I was just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> And then that was the end of that. In the interims that I would fly back to Boston, I would see him. We'd catch up, but he'd always say the same thing. How you doing, honey? I love you. Then when my brother John came out to California to go to rehab, he called me on the phone. And he was like, first of all, thanks for helping your brother out. I don't know what to do with that guy. <laughs> you know. And I was like, sure, dad, no problem. And he says to me, are we good? Because if there's anything that you want to ask me or anything we got to talk about, I'll do it. I'll tell you anything you want to know. And I was like, no, dad, I don't think I have any questions. And he's like, all right, well, you're my kid. Do you know that? And I was like, yeah, dad, I know that. <laughs> and I was getting married to Jeff. And uh, I was like, you know, dad, I, I want you to come to the wedding. And I really want, you know, I want to dance with you. Like, I want to have that. You know, and he was like, oh, my God, of course, of course, you know, I'll, I'll wear a clean shirt. <laughs> 
we had a very small family ceremony at the Native American church that uh, my husband was the president of and I was an officer in and it was basically all my blood family. So my dad, his wife, my mom, both my brothers, my sister, my brother's wife, and then all of my husband's family crammed into this like amazing geodesic dome. It's very uncomfortable <laughs> because it's like, there, there it is, your whole family sitting right there. I got up in front of everybody and I turned to my dad and I just said, I'm so sorry that I left you. I thought you were leaving me and I made that up and it's not true. Like you've never, ever left me. And thanks for that. Thanks for that. And I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. And I, I don't care about any of it. You're my dad and I just want you to be my dad. He was crying. <laughs> no problem, honey. I love you. Whatever you want. From then on, we had a really great relationship. He would insist on coming to visit. I got to come see you. And I'd be like, okay, when do you want to come? Well, how long can I stay? I'll stay for the whole winter. No, dad, you can come two weeks max. Well, how about this? How about uh, you book my ticket and just leave it open? No, dad, you can only cut, you know, and I'd be like, you can't smoke in the house. You know, I was having children. I was like, you have to like change your clothes when you come in from smoking. It was really funny when I was pregnant with Stala, when he was coming out for the baby shower, I picked him up at the airport and I was like, all right, I'm coming to get you. Be ready. Be outside. I'll be outside. It's not a problem. He's standing outside and I pick him up. I'm like, literally like nine months pregnant. Like he's here for my baby shower. He gets in the car and he goes to smoke a cigarette. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, what? I was just on a plane for six hours. What do you want me to do? I'm like, dad, I'm pregnant. He's like, listen, I don't know what, I, you know, we smoked with all of yous and you, you all turned out all right. I'm like, we all have fucking asthma, dad. We're, we didn't turn out all, all right, whatever. Well, when we get to the store, pull over and I'll just smoke outside, you know? I mean, like, this is what this guy was like. You know, and he would come and he would drive me bananas. You know, he wouldn't put his teeth in. He, it's just like, it, dad. <laughs> and he was so loving. Look at you in this big California life. You're eating wheatgrass and doing all these things. Can you believe it? This is just amazing. I mean, look at this big guy you married to. What a great guy. I mean, it would just be hard to be like, why have you used 35 spoons to stir your like 17 tiny cups of coffee? Like, can you pick, you know, it's just, that's what it was like. And the very last conversation that we had before he died, it was very hard during COVID to not be able to come out and see my daughter and be stuck, you know, up in his weird tiny house in New Hampshire. And the last conversation that we had was uh, probably about a week before he died. And I had told him that my abuela had died. And uh, 
he was like, yeah, I'm so sorry, honey. She was such a great lady and, you know, I never, I'll never forget that, what she said to me in her kitchen. And I was like, yeah, you know, we talked about like, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? What are you doing for Thanksgiving? And then I was like, I gotta go, dad, you know, it's like, I got, you know, and he's like, I gotta come see you. I'm like, I know dad, we'll work it out, you know, we'll work it out. <laughs> like trying to figure out how to have this guy in the house with like now two kids and his 17 spoons. And uh, he's like, honey, I love you. You're my number one. And I was like, I know dad, I love you too. And then he died. And it was it was really crazy because my my grandmother died, my abuela died like November eighth. He died like three weeks later. And uh, I flew out to Michigan City and I went to her funeral. And there was like a there was you know both my parents are from there, Michigan City, Indiana. And there was like a I think this is the last time I'll ever be here. And this is where my parents are from. And then fly to Boston. It was so beautiful because the love stays, you know? It's like I just wouldn't have believed it if I didn't actually feel it. Even in the 10 years that I didn't talk to him, I had to actively ignore that love to keep my position to really keep my heart closed to him, I had to actively avoid that love and insist to myself that it wasn't real because it just wouldn't make any sense to say no to it, you know, if, it, if I didn't, if I wasn't fortifying my position and what the lives of both my dads offered me, you know, is like what I got to learn about humanity and parenthood from my blood dad, from Louis, is that, you know, not every person is cut out for the job of being a parent. And uh, I feel really grateful for my blood dad's contribution. The DNA that I have and the part of him that's me is enough, you know, and there's something to be said for someone who knows they're not the person for the job and can give it up to somebody who wants it. And my stepdad, like, he really wanted that job. And he took it really seriously. I don't care anymore about the imperfection of my parents. You know, it's like it feels so entitled to be upset that I did not get the childhood I wanted. I got the childhood that I got. If I'm willing to get interested in where the love was about it, I can find it. I do believe that what they chose in their relationship with me was the most loving thing that they could do. what I really got to learn through this 
relationship with uh, that I had with my stepdad is like everybody's changing all the time and you don't know anything about anything. It's like it really took some maturity for me to go, oh, my parents had a marriage I know nothing about and it's actually none of my business. I thought my allegiance to my mom, which I created, I thought that that was love and it was the opposite siphoning the love off for 10 years just to open it back up no i would not trade that for anything you know was it painful yes for my dad and me anything is possible when i'm willing to let go of my position i really don't give a shit about being right i don't care about being right it's all an illusion anyway. There's no such thing, you know? What feels better in my life is the love. Thank you for listening to Healing Codependency. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about my one-on-one -on -one and group counseling programs, please find me online at ericawright.org. That's E-R-I-K-A-W-R-I-G-H-T dot O-R-G. And on Instagram at ericawrighthcd. That's E-R-I-K-A-W-R-I-G-H-T H C D. This production was co-created by award-winning media midwife Ari Golden. You can find a link to her work in the show notes. Please join us next time as my journey of healing codependency continues. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you find it helpful. Healing Codependency is sponsored by my company, Superstar Dark Chocolate, a superfood bar with all organic raw ingredients. Find it and eat it at www.superstar.com. That's www.supahstah.com. And God's Eye Oils, natural hand-blended beauty care and custom perfumes. To experience the full line of products, please visit www.godseyeoils.com. That's www.godseyeoils.com. You can find links to our sponsors and learn more about each episode in the show notes.